Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to NetIP Spotlight Live Your Potential, where we invite guest experts to speak on a variety of trending topics that matter to you. I'm Justina Lawalia, your host, and I want to warmly welcome you to our show this evening. I know everyone's crazy busy these days and appreciate your investing your valuable time in joining us this evening. To give you a lay of the land, our guest speaker and I will be discussing his insights for about 20 minutes. I'd like to give everyone a heads up that after about 20 minutes of discussion between our guest speaker and myself, you'll have the opportunity to ask him any questions which you may have. So with that said, let's jump in. Today's guest speaker is Ashish Mathur, a co-founder and the executive director of the South Asian Heart Center at El Camino Hospital. Ashish is passionate about prevention and has made it his mission to raise awareness and educate the South Asian community on the epidemic of heart disease and diabetes. Under its leadership, the center has been recognized as an Asian hero by the County of Santa Clara and has received special distinction from the U.S. Congress. Developed with its guidance, the South Asian Heart Center's Aim to Prevent program is a unique offering to help community members determine their chronic disease risk based on advanced assessment, lifestyle-based intervention, and coach-based management. Since its establishment in 2006, the center has screened 4,500 participants, trained 800 physicians, and published and presented at both the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association. Prior to leading the nonprofit efforts at the center, Ashish was an enterprise software executive with over 25 years of industry experience in developing software products from early phases to successful market introduction. Welcome to the show, Ashish. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's exciting to have you on. And I'm wondering at the outset, what led you to co-found the South Asian Heart Center? Heart Center, sorry. <laughs> South Asian Heart Center, yes. Uh, Heart, you know, yeah. so it, uh, it was just a series of coincidences, really. I mean, but it started um, when I had my heart attack at the age of 44. It completely... Mm. Uh, came to me as a surprise and shook me up. And I was a software executive at that time and, you know, building my career there and um, had uh, done, you know, a lot of startup uh, companies. And, and, and the stress of all of that kind of took its toll. Uh, my, my genetics kind of played out. And, uh, and so I had a heart attack. And when I did... It um, it really shook me up. Uh, I was I was so scared and um, uh, tried. I mean, I tried everything, every book that's written on heart attack <laughs> and how to re- reverse uh-huh. heart disease and all of that to because I was I was really scared about the next one. And in that sure. journey of kind of reading all of this material and reading, uh, I found out that South Asians or Indians in particular 
um, uh, have this uh, heightened risk for for heart disease. And it's very telling when their parents or, you know, uh, immediate family members have had these issues at younger ages uh, that you are very likely to have have them so. And and, uh, and part of the journey was also to read up about what you can do about it, what what uh, are additional things that you can do to go beyond the normal testing that happens to, to look for your risk. So um, for two years, I had, um, after the heart attack, I had really uh, spent time focusing on myself, focusing on what I should do. I found that as I started making changes, uh, my friend circle started making changes, and they were very cognizant when I went to meet up with them at, at parties at their homes that they would al- always cook something special for Ashish because, you know, of my condition. Uh, and I felt that, you know, this is having an impact on my friend circle. Why don't we look at it and, and, and take it beyond that and see if, um, uh, you know, the, the community that's really effective will be open uh, to to doing something about it as well. Uh, so luckily for me, I live close to El Camino Hospital, which is here in Mountain View, California. Uh, they were looking at this issue in their emergency room and finding that, you know, one out of five people who showed up in the emergency room with a heart attack was an Indian in a population wow. that was, yeah, that was that was um, only 3% uh, Indians. And yeah. so uh, it was a real health disparity that was staring at them in their face. And so I happened to uh, attend the very first uh, um, uh, talk on the subject at El Camino Hospital, and I felt that if the hospital was interested in doing something, I was ready to plunge in and create the program for them and 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 build it up. So that's kind of what happened in 2006. Five years from when I had my heart attack, uh, we I had co-founded the South Asian Heart Center, brought together a bunch of physicians and people in the community uh, to participate, and we created. Um, um, the, the program that now is helping thousands uh, of uh, Bay Area residents and now also people from outside the Bay Area. How inspirational. That's, uh, those numbers you gave out are astounding, you know, when you say the one in five. Um, so, you know, from what you're saying in terms of the heightened risk, I understand, um, you know, clearly that both heart attacks and diabetes tend to be you know, quite widespread among Indians. So what, um, you know, you had mentioned stress, you had mentioned genetics. What, what are the reasons for this, um, you know, for this heightened, uh, heightened risk for Indians? What have you discovered well, about that? Sure, sure. So it's kind of the perfect storm of uh, genetics, uh, lifestyle, mm-hmm. and the environment that, um, yeah. you know, puts us at a, at, at a higher risk. You know, our medical director at the center uh, always says the, the genes load the gun, but the lifestyle pulls the trigger, and um, uh-huh. and it's uh, you know clearly clear the, clearly the case with South Asians. Um, it's truly um, a combination of fate, chance, and choice. You know the genetics predisposes you to a higher risk. Okay. The environment um, you know helps in um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and uh, urbanization really uh, has helped accelerate this for. Uh, a younger population, and the lifestyles that we lead, uh, and predominantly two um, aspects of lifestyle uh, that was found in the inter-heart study uh, to show a significant difference between Indians and others was uh, their sedentary lifestyles 
and they're okay. being vegetarian but not eating vegetables. Uh, you know, there's being a grain-based <laughs> vegetarian uh-huh. diet versus being a vegetable-based uh, diet. Okay. So so we have focused our energy um, at looking at lifestyle as a way to address this epidemic and to change um, the course of this epidemic. Wow. Tell me, you know, for people who are listening to these numbers and just thinking, wow, is there any tests out there um, that can help me identify or even potentially predict, you know, the risk of, of getting, you know, heart disease, um, what can you tell me? What, which tests are needed to identify and predict the risk? Sure. So, you know, one statistic that I just want to throw out is that, um, you know, 50% of the heart attacks are not explained um, with uh, traditional testing. You know, the normal lipid panel or the cholesterol testing that sure. you do fails okay. to kind of explain 50% of the heart attack. So that is a very large number. And, uh, you know, yes. heart attack is usually... Uh, the first symptom of something being wrong, I mean, and, and very often fatal in South Asians, um, it's twice, you're twice as likely to die of a heart attack compared to other ethnicities and twice as likely to have a recurring heart attack if you survive the first one. So um, all the odds are kind of put against you. Um, and, and I think it's, uh, I, I feel that for myself, it's kind of a miracle. It's been, you know, 13 years since my heart attack. Uh, and I've continued to live on and, and be able to successfully uh, ward off another heart attack. And so um, what you said, it really is defying some odds. So did I hear that right? Two times as likely to uh, to die, to pass away from a heart attack, and three times as likely to have a heart attack recur, basically, if one survives one. Did I? Wow. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And I haven't even right. told you about... about uh, it affecting younger populations. I mean, 25% of the heart attacks occur in people less than 40 years of age. That's one in four. Less than 40. One in four, less than 40. And one in two, I'm sorry, and one in two uh, to those less than 55 years of age. In this country, yes. Okay. And in this country, the average age for the first heart attack is 65 years for men and 70 for women. So it's really a progressive disease in in South Asians and occurs much earlier. I often see in the emergency room, um, you know, fathers bringing their young sons or daughters um, into the ER with heart attacks. It's very uh, difficult for a parent to, to... uh, witness a heart attack in in a young, you know, um, uh, son uh, or a daughter, and and that's what we get to see all the time. Well, now given the sobering sobering statistics, I'm um, I would love it if you'd share that what the aim to to prevent program is about. Tell us more about that. I like that yeah. the prevent sounds very heartening. So tell us a little bit about that. So um, I'll start by um, uh, giving you a statistic, and that is that okay. um, 80% of heart attacks can actually prevent it through lifestyle changes. And this was actually a, 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 it's a very late-breaking story. It's just come out uh, within the last two months, um, although there have been so many lifestyle studies that have been done and shown you know, um, to show the positive effect of lifestyle changes, even in 
in older ages, you know, if you start exercising at the age of 45, you'll see a benefit of that um, in longevity and, and reduction in chronic disease. Um, but but that's kind of the, the heart and soul of our Aim to Prevent program. Our Aim to Prevent program uh, that we've created is a very carefully crafted and a very unique program for Indians. Um, the AIM stands for, it's an acronym for Assess, Intervene, and Manage. And it's been put okay. together for primary prevention. So we are really targeting young South Asians, young Indians, uh, to um, undergo this program early in, in life, at the age, starting at the age of 18, actually. Um, starting uh, at 18? Wow. At the age of okay. 18, yeah. yeah. Normal okay. cholesterol testing in this country is done at the age of 45. And we yeah. know that, yeah. you know, 30 to 40% of heart attacks in Indians would have already occurred by then. So okay. so it's, uh, it's, it's mute to kind of, you know, really go in for uh, cholesterol testing at the age of 45. We okay. start seeing the genetic markers, uh, you know, um, as, as, you know, early as, as uh, 18 years of age. And um, specifically, the, the, the really deadly um, combinations of some uh, lipoproteins, uh, one of them is LP little a. So in the assess phase, uh, our hope is to, to take you through three sets of assessments. One is the advanced laboratory test that we do that includes okay. markers beyond the normal lipid panel. Uh, okay. We also do a, um, a, a full assessment of your personal history, your family medical history, and your lifestyle habits and history, um, focusing on the areas that could be um, could uh, raise your risk uh, of heart disease or diabetes. Uh, and then we also do a brief um, physical to um, look at you know your blood pressure, your heart rate, uh, and your height and weight, giving us BMI, which is a which is a um, a good measure of one of the risks uh, as well. So, okay. um, so that's the assessment phase, and then we follow it up with a personalized report. The report is presented to you in the form of an iceberg. It actually shows, uh, you know, the tip of the iceberg, which consists of the traditional tests that you get done at your physician's office, and then underneath the iceberg, underneath the surface, is all of the hidden risks with all of the um, uh, special markers that we look at for Indians. Uh, one marker is LP little a. LP little a is lipoprotein little a, which um, okay. which actually is heightened in, in the South Asian population, you know, elevated in South Asians, is a genetic marker that multiplies the risk. So if you have an elevated LP little a because of your genetic uh, history and you have one risk factor, then your risk is multiplied seven times. If you have two risk factors, say, for example, uh, you also have blood pressure, then your risk actually is uh, 32 times. And if you have three risk factors, uh, then your risk is multiplied 122 times. So very often, uh, because we don't know about the status of LP little a, we aren't able to correlate your risk very easily just through the lipid panel or the cholesterol okay. testing the, um, that, that's normally done. So LP little a is key marker. When we started uh, with the South Asian Heart Center, um, there was a lot of controversy around LP little a. But now, actually, uniformly, uh, everybody is looking at LP little a as a marker. There have been several new studies that have been done on it and, um, and um, correlated the risk 
uh, and the multiplicative uh, aspect of the risk with LP little a. So that's a good marker to check for. Um, very and often. Actually, let me. And let me. I'm sorry to interrupt. Let me ask you: Is that LP little a? Is the test for that a blood test as well? Is that a specialized yes. blood test? Or it's a blood test. Okay. okay. It's not a, okay, so a swab or a genetic, you know, DNA test. It's just a blood test. Sure. Okay. And you okay. can't you can't Great. really change your LP little a much because you know it's det- genetically determined. But then mm-hmm. we become very aggressive about looking at all of your other risk factors and kind of bringing them sure. down to normal levels. So if your blood pressure is elevated, we really want to with lifestyle uh, first to try to bring down your blood pressure. That's kind of a key thing. Or if you are, you know, hovering or you have family history of diabetes, then we're going to become very aggressive on the lifestyle associated with reducing your risk for diabetes, um, et cetera, because then it's going to multiply your risk for heart attacks. Um, so LP little okay. a is one marker. Uh, we also okay. look at other genetically driven markers, and that um, uh, is uh, what's called particle sizes and particle numbers. Um, Every LDL and HDL actually um, is split up into different size of particles, um, and, and the size matters. Uh, if, if there are small LDL or bad cholesterol particles, they are more atherogenic. You know, you can understand or, or envision the interior walls of the arteries being like a sieve and okay. being porous and, and letting particles through that build the plaque. Um, then uh, what you'll see is the smaller particles are more likely to go through compared to larger particles. So we uh, we look at uh, this as a repackaging issue. You know, in order to r- reduce your risk, we uh, we will we will work on lifestyle that helps you repackage your LDL from small dense particles to the large point particles, uh, which are less arthrogenic. At the same time, HDL, which is a good cholesterol also is subdivided into different particles, again, genetically determined. But you are able to repackage those, and you are able to get the large buoyant HDL particles be the predominant ones, which are uh, protective. Uh, And in just looking at your HDL number, you may have a good HDL number, but it may not Mm -hmm. be the kind of particles that are protective. And in Indians, we find that. So we test for those. And the good news is okay. that through lifestyle changes, we are able to repackage them and get them to the right size and number. Um, so that's the genetic aspect that we look for. We also look for uh, inflammation. Inflammation actually um, uh, probably explains uh, the heart attacks that are not explained through just looking at cholesterol. Uh, and and uh, And it's a very important factor um, so, so we pay special emphasis on that and we test that. This test actually can be done and is done by a lot of physicians as well, called the CRP test, or, you know, we look at fibrinogen, et cetera, uh, which are indicative of the um, ability uh, for, your, uh, for your arteries to be inflamed. Uh, then we look at um, markers uh, for uh, diabetes. Um, we look at insulin resistance. Uh, we look at uh, your hemoglobin A1C, your fasting glucose, and your fasting insulin. And that gives us a good idea of what your metabolic uh, disorders are and whether you are prone or predisposed to this metabolism. 
And and uh, we found, actually, as a matter of fact, as we are looking at the numbers at the center itself, that um, that combination of uh, fasting insulin, fasting glucose, and hemoglobin A1C actually are very telling in uh, calcium scoring or CT scans that we see of individuals where we see the plaque build up. So um, okay. it becomes very important to test for that. So that's our assessment phase, the A of the aim to prevent. Then we follow okay. it up with the I part, which is our intervention or the intervene. And in that intervention, we focus on lifestyle. Our focus on lifestyle is on what we call lifestyle meds, M-E-D-S, for meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. And we've got expert counselors who will actually go through, look at how you fare or how, what what your lifestyle habits are vis-a-vis these four factors or four areas and help you with kind of uh, getting getting um, getting the lifestyle meds incorporated in your lifestyle. Uh, so, for example, I'll pick the exercise and diet, which is the middle part of the meds program. Exercise and diet, most people kind of relate to. They understand that, you know, if mm-hmm. I change my exercise, it's going to help me, or if I change my diet, it's going to help me. We have a registered sure. dietitian who actually will counsel you. Uh, the difference is that, you know, first of all, our counselor is South Asian. So if you have a predominantly um, South Asian diet, you know, and Indian diets can be very varied from the north to the south and the east and the west. Sure. You're not sure. going to change your diet radically um, as you go forward. Um, you want to kind of stay within the confines of the normal diet, like if you are from the south and you are a dosa, sambar, idli eating person. Um, you're not going to be changing that very easily. It's going to be very difficult to, you know, get oatmeal into your diet or, uh, you know, (laughs) other things that that we know are cardioprotective. So we actually try to um, focus on the things that you eat uh, and and try to bring about changes within that. So, for example, uh, you know, we may ask you to mix a few things up with your idlis or, you know, look at what goes inside your masala dosa uh, we may sure. we may mix it up with some more vegetable and um, and and things like that. So we we in baby steps we try to move you from things that um, are less cardioprotective. In the diet, uh, carbohydrates and grains end up actually causing a lot of havoc for South Asians. So our intent is to get to them to more protein-based sources, looking at the healthy fats and looking at carbohydrates, but looking at the complex carbohydrates and ancient grains that you can incorporate to help you with um, uh, with making a change uh, there. Uh, so our diet will help you with that. Uh, then okay. our uh, exercise physiologist will work with you on the exercise front. Uh, in our okay. fitness uh, consultations, actually we have introduced a phone-based fitness consultation as well so you can understand how you can incorporate uh, strength training, which is very sorely missed um, by South Asians, they they don't mm-hmm. they they understand cardio. They'll kind of become weekend warriors sure. and do hikes and those sorts uh-huh. of things. But they will they will not do the strength training, which is really important to actually reduce their risk for diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Um, so that's the exercise physiologist, and then we have um, meditation teachers who will uh, orient you in meditation. As a matter of fact, I. Um, uh, starting in December, I'm going to start teaching um, a rest management class, which will incorporate both sleep and meditation as a way to de-stress your life. 
And and so, so those orientations are kind of provided as part of the intervention and recommendations okay. are made. Uh, and then finally, in the M phase, which is the manage, which is truly to us the most important phase, is how do you manage to those interventions and how do you incorporate these lifestyle changes? Um, uh, and a coach um, actually is assigned to you to help you with that for one full year. Um, they for look at the recommendations year. we make and okay. then uh, help you uh, monitor uh, your progress to these recommendations and motivate you through making these changes. Well, Ashish, that sounds like an extremely comprehensive approach, and I'm wondering of our listeners who want to get involved and potentially be part of the AIMS Prevent program, how can they go about doing so? So, so it's very simple. I, I, um, we had planned uh, that by this time we would actually have a link on uh, NetApp's uh, website as well so that they could just go there and click on it and, and sign up for the screening. And no matter where okay. they are, uh, anywhere in the United States, uh, we will be able to work with them. Um, uh, all of our counseling, uh, coaching is done over the phone and email. And, um, wow. and the lab work is, um, uh, is done by Quest Diagnostics, which is available um, in most uh, you know, locations in the United States. So we will find a, a Quest laboratory close to you and, and target you there. So all you have to do right now to join the program is to come up on our website and sign up okay. for the Aim to Prevent program. And there's a bunch of questions you have to answer. It's just a one-page form. Um, you answer that fully, and then we'll call you and schedule your appointments. Wow. All right. Um, and I'm wondering, Ashish, you know, I completely can appreciate, you, you know, the, the motivation for you starting such a high-impact um, nonprofit here. And I'm wondering if you might have any guidance to our listeners who likewise have a cause they're passionate about and uh, may also want to found an institution or nonprofit to, um, to really address that cause or that issue. Any guidance you might have? Based on your personal experience, absolutely, uh, absolutely. So I think you you already mentioned um, uh, the word passion. Uh, I think that that is kind of a prerequisite. Um, okay. You know, I mean, I I gave up my health my software career uh, for a healthcare career essentially um, because I made that switch. I mean, people many people uh, call me doctor just because I'm I have co-founded the South Asian Heart Center, but I'm not a physician by profession. And uh, uh, but but I I was passionate as I and, and let me kind of recount a short story on that as well. Sure. I mean I I had the heart attack and it had affected me, but it actually took somebody from within the community to come to me and say that you know uh, on my birthday uh, following my heart attack that you know we are so glad that you're still with us. And that kind of, you know, was, mm-hmm. uh, shook me up. And I said, yeah. well, perhaps there is a reason for me to actually be here. And uh, and that was, you know, when I started thinking about doing this and, and getting it going. Um, wow. So the passion is really important, I think. Uh, and if you mm-hmm. have it, that's like, uh, you know, 80%, uh, you're already there. The second part of it is that you have to treat that nonprofit like you um, are starting a startup. Um, so it's no different whether you are creating a for-profit startup or a not-for-profit startup. It's just the effort is the same, the thinking is the same, the uh, you know you have to worry about the need 
you know, is mm-hmm. there a need for your product or service? And, you know, you have to be anal about uh, establishing that need if there isn't one. Um, we 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 know that there is a need for my, you know, for the need for, for the South Asian Heart Center, but people do not believe the need. Uh, very often the young people don't think that this is an issue for them, so we have to convince them of the need and, and get them going. It takes takes many sessions, sometimes a year, to convince them to kind of join the program, but we hmm. have been successful because we've been able to be persistent with the message uh, within the community. So that's the second thing is to treat it like a startup, establish the need, establish a product or a service that others are not offering. You know, you have to be unique. The product has to be unique uh, and mm-hmm. address the problem completely. So our aim to prevent, you mentioned the word comprehensive. For yeah. us, aim to prevent is that product or service that's completely comprehensive. If you are an Indian, you don't need to do anything else. You just need to do this because we've married the state of the art, looked at everything that we could possibly test, and then put it together in a program. And it's a complete program because the management piece of it is there as well. Very often you would say that, you know, I can go to the doctor and get myself tested, and they provide good advice on what I need to do about my lifestyle. But what they are not able to do is to do the follow-through. Everybody Mm -hmm. knows that you need to do exercise, you need to eat better, all of that. But how many actually do implement it after they have gone to the doctor's office? Well, with us, because there's a coach, you are in in some way forced to think about it a lot more. And um, and that's the the edge, that's the difference, that's the differentiation in our service compared to, um, you know, other things that are out there. So I would say that if you take the example of a startup and what startups have to do to succeed, all of the writing in terms of what you have to do to make your nonprofit succeed is there. So the passion plus treating it like a startup will kind of get you there. Now, treating it like a startup means you have to get funding and financing and all of that. We were lucky in that we, we associated with El Camino Hospital, which provided the seed funding and continues to provide 50% of the funding for our operation. The rest of the 50%, we get it from the community. We are offering a service in the community. So we ask them for donations, and, and we've been successful at raising money through donations. We provide our program, all of our consultations, at no charge to individuals. We only have a $49 processing fee, and we have, uh, you know, people have to pay for their lab work. But everything else yeah. is covered. And so um, we are able to offer that with the the funding model uh, for our center. Wow, that's amazing. I really appreciate your sharing your inspirational insights with us, Ashish. I'm wondering if there are any last thoughts or take-home message you'd like to share with our listeners before we give our listeners the opportunity to ask you questions. So I will do some takeaways. It's come out of a lot of research. And, you know, uh, eight years of being here. So if we look at the four lifestyle factors that we look at, meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep, we have built some small mantras for them. Now, you know, this is, this is good for everybody, uh, although our Aim to Prevent program is very personalized. We look at what are your risks and what you need to do and how diet is going to affect you and what exercise program should you have. So it's very, very personalized. But these are four four mantras 
that if anybody wants to take away and implement them, they'll benefit from it. So on the meditation side, our mantra is um, to get into a routine of meditation daily. And by meditation, I don't mean listening to music or reading a book. Meditation is the practice of uh, putting everything aside um, and at a minimum uh, sitting with your eyes closed um, and and doing that for at least five minutes, but but twenty minutes uh, twice a day is kind of what we recommend. But if, even if you get to five minutes of quiet time just by yourself, eyes closed, that's kind of the start of your meditation practice. The um, exercise mantra is regular, varied, and vigorous. So you want to be regular with your exercise, which is more than the weekend. Um, you want to do it on multiple days of the week, or preferably seven. Uh, okay. You also want to vary your exercise. You you know, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, it is less beneficial to you. It it will reach its plateau, and you want to kind of vary and give other things for your body to assimilate. And then the third aspect of it is vigorous. So if you are able to get to regularity, if you are able to vary your exercise then get to being vigorous. Um, don't start you know, your exercise program by becoming a marathon runner. Uh, start by doing that walk first. Uh, and when you're comfortable with that, when you're able to tolerate that, and you're able to vary your exercise, maybe you had a bicycling day or a swimming day or a tennis or something like that, then, then and only then you become vigorous and, and get to a point where you're sweating when you're out of breath, you know, those sorts of things that accompany exercise. On the okay. food front uh, and the diet front, MED, mm-hmm. for diet, uh, the mantra is more greens than grains. And and if that is reflective in the plate and in a mindful way that you fill your plate up every time, that, you know, 50% of the plate is, is grains, then you leave some, uh, I'm sorry, greens or vegetables. Okay. In any color of the vegetable we do, we just equate greens to vegetables, and potato is not a vegetable. Um, <laughs> and, and then the other half of the plate is, um, is uh, filled with your protein source. If you're a meat eater, you know, you add some meat, fish, uh, you add paneer, or you add uh, tofu, or you add beans. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of the protein section of your, of your plate. And then the remaining okay. quarter is where you actually end up putting your grains. So if that is the constitution of your plate, you've done well. So more greens and grains. Um, and we also have goals around diet, which is uh, two fistfuls of vegetables per day. Okay. Uh, one fistful of fruit. Uh, Twelve nuts. These are almonds or walnuts, if you are not nut allergic. And uh, no sugar drinks, zero sugar drinks. And so if that's kind of the goals that you can set for yourself, zero sugar drinks is very hard for people who put sugar in their teas um, or, you know, like a a glass of Coke every day. Um, And and then there's so much sugar drinks out there. So, so, But that's kind of the goals that we get our participants towards for diet. And then the fourth uh, is sleep. And sleep is very underrated um and and not enough talk about sleep and uh getting to you know your 6 to 8 hours of sleep per day 
very hard for people to achieve it, not in the Silicon Valley, I mean, with all the pressures of work and, and personal life. Sure. Um, sure. But but I think it's it plays a really important role in in your heart health, in um, in in preventing uh, or you know blood pressure, etc. So six to eight hours of sleep. So we want to have you practice a routine of uh, a sleep routine essentially or sleep wellness um, as well. So those are kind of the Wonderful. four things I leave with. Great. Well, you had mentioned that 80% um, of heart disease can be prevented by lifestyle changes, so a very powerful way uh, to leave us with those thoughts. And now everyone else, here's your chance to ask Ashish any questions you might have. Um, so to remind you, if you have a question, please go ahead and press 1, and uh, we'll take your questions one by one. And I have the first question here. Um, welcome, caller. This is from um, area code 201 and the last uh, three digits, 222. Thanks so much. I, Ashish, uh, we really appreciate your time here. The, those are wonderful insights uh, for all the, all the NetApp listeners uh, on the call. Uh, the question I have for you is, uh, let's say in the unfortunate situation uh, you find either yourself or someone around you um, suffering a heart attack, um, what are the first steps you can take that, that would uh, help the, the person or yourself um, get the highest chance of survival? Oh, that's an excellent question. Uh, I mean, I, I should have mentioned it myself. Uh, and this is a training that we provide to everybody here at the center a, a, as well. Uh, first is uh, recognizing the symptoms. You know, um, uh, there, there are a few things uh, that you can look for. If there is um, obviously the, the classical symptoms of uh, heart attack, which could be chest pain, uh, pain in the jaw, um, uh, and this is the kind of uh, you know intolerable pain, pain that doesn't go away by shifting positions or changing you know how you're sitting or um, things. You may have nausea, uh, you may feel you know that you're vomiting, etc. Those are typical symptoms in males. In females, um, you, you know, in women, you might see other kind of symptoms such as uh, you know. Um, Exercise-induced kind of pains, um, shoulder pain, um, uh, headaches uh, as well. Um, the the key, uh, you know, and it may be accompanied by some sweating. You know, you might see that the back of the neck uh, sweating uh, as well. If you if you recognize those and you see those, you know, I think as an Indian, uh, the first thing to do is to call nine one one and not to wait. Very often, I mean, these are the kind of pains that you have that are ex- unexplained. If you are exercising or you're walking and you feel that, you know, as you're walking, there is, there, there is this chest pain that is coming up, and when you stop, the chest pain kind of goes away or it becomes less. Uh, these are exercise-induced kind of pains. Those are also times that you want to um, you know, call 911 and, and, and be there. Very often people um, say that, you know, why should I call 911? It'll pass and it'll go away. But I would suggest that it actually is kind of worthwhile. If you have family history of heart attacks, you've seen that, uh, you know, happen to your parents uh, or to other uh, other siblings, etc., uh, then then uh, there is really no time to wait. You should, the first thing is to go go to emergency. And do that now. What is it that you can wait, do while you are uh, waiting? 
um, you know, for for the 911 to kind of arrive. Um, you know, make sure that you are kind of rested in the sense that you are uh, not not pacing around or uh, doing stuff. Um, uh, there, there are a lot of um, um, emails that are that float around saying, oh, you know, the best way to stop a heart attack is to um, uh, drink uh, hot water or to cough and stuff like that. There isn't really any scientific uh, basis or evidence for that. Um, but, you know, you, you, what what um, uh, what may be happening is that there's a clot developing that's reducing um, um, you know your blood flow to the heart and that's kind of causing the 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 heart attack and your best thing is to make sure that that 911 is there they have the equipment that's necessary to um, uh, provide now you might look at aspirin um, as a way uh, to kind of have an aspirin. Uh, it helps, uh, you know, thin the blood out. Um, so that's uh, that. For people who have had heart attacks, they are normally um, they would be carrying some nitroglycerin with them and the tablets, and they'll have those to kind of tide you by uh, to help you expand the arteries a little bit um, uh, before 911 arrives. Well, thank Fantastic! You. Thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ashish, for taking our listeners' questions. Um, you know, for those listeners who would like to contact you in the future, what, uh, what's the best place for them to do so? Uh, the best place is our website. We have a contact us form uh, where you can sign up for the screening or ask us any of those questions that, that, you, that you have. Um, it's, it's the easiest and fastest way to kind of get, get, um, get responses from us. Okay, and um, you want to um, give one more time the, the website for our listeners? Yes, it's www.southasianheartcenter, okay. all one word, southasianheartcenter.org. We are a nonprofit okay. organization, yes. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And in case uh, you joined us late, I would like to share this show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that a recording of today's sh- uh, radio show will be sent out. I appreciate you hanging out with us. And make sure to join us for next month's show. Take care, everyone. <laughs>